ESPN Head in the Game. Yes, hello everyone. I'm Jamie Lang, and welcome back to Head in the Game. Now, this week we have another special episode for you. Hot on the heels of last week's Team of the Century, which, by the way, you can still download, of course. So I won't give away the winner. This latest episode focuses on the darker side, the greatest or not so great villains of sport. Now, over the last couple of weeks, you've been voting for the rogues, rascals, wrongers of sport, and we've whittled your selection down to the final ten. Now, alongside me is one of the true goody goodies of broadcasting. She looks at me with so much love every single time she sees me. She quit athletics just so she could work with me. It's true. She also claims she would have had a career in football if she only knew how lucrative the women's game would have become. It's Rachel Stringer. That's just so typical of me. I meant in terms of I look at any sport and go, oh, I could have been the best at that. You actually sent me a message the other day oh, yeah. saying, oh, "Don't tell him what I said." This to you, listener. She said, "By the way, I could have been the most epic footballer alive." But then I did send you a clip of me playing football, and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Then I sent you the video of me throwing the javelin 54 meters when I was under 11 and still hold the record at school. So uh, there we go. Uh, right before we introduce our first guest, we're going to hear from Voice with the ultimate list as voted by you. Now remember, we've barred some names from our poll. There's no room for drug cheats. It's all about. On field bad behaviour and transgressions. This is the greatest sporting villain all time. Ten. Thanks, Jamie. In no particular order, here is the greatest sporting villains top ten. Sergio Ramos. More red cards than anyone in La Liga. Half a million people signed a petition to have him banned. Mike Tyson. The self-proclaimed baddest man on the planet. Iron Mike bit off part of Evander Holyfield's ear. Jose Mourinho, the self-proclaimed special one, became more unpopular the longer he was in the game. Petulant, rarely magnanimous, and the worst crime of all, cynical negative football. David Warner, his ban for bull tampering with sandpaper was the nail in the coffin. Nicknamed the bull, his sledging went beyond what is regarded as acceptable. Not a guy you'd want to mess with. Diego Costa once threw his own spit at the aforementioned Sergio Ramos, branded a cheat for diving, switched from Brazil to Spain, treachery. Diego Maradona, his hand of God, probably the most infamous World Cup crime. His erratic behavior have made him both hero and villain. Joey Barton, a disciplinary record in the English leads that is second to none. Roy Keane, who can forget he deserted his teammates during a World Cup campaign and his infamous clash with Alf Inga Haaland. Floyd Mayweather, both one of the greats and one of the villains of boxing. Why? His love of money, his nickname is money, his ego, his trash-talking, one to admire and loathe in the same breath. And finally, Luis Suarez, half footballer, half cannibal, banned several times for biting, his deliberate handball in the World Cup broke Ghanaian hearts. A serial diver found guilty of racially abusing Patrice Evra. And that is the greatest sporting villain all-time 10. So that's the top 10 as voted by you. Now, do you agree with it? Which names should have made the final 10 but didn't? Who will have the dubious honour of being voted number one? Now time to introduce our guests. It's welcome back to ESPN's Steve Saunders and Nate Saunders. Hello. Hey. I'm confused. Are you two brothers? 
I, I don't think so. But cousins, maybe, <laughs> Long, maybe. I but. mean, I think that the similarity ends as soon as you either hear or see us. Twins, maybe. <laughs> we're like, we're like <laughs> Rachel. They're not related. I don't oh. understand why. Ha- have you seen the film Twins? It's I was very about to say Twins. To <laughs> Wait, am I Danny DeVito? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hang on. Oh, man, Wait, hang on. You, one of you, you're pregnant. You're not, <laughs> you're not Arnie either. <laughs> you're definitely not Arnie. We need to take a picture of you guys yeah. because um, I, no, that, that's that's going to throw me off for the whole podcast. Just so everyone can see how different they do look because wouldn't uh, it not be odd if you were brothers and both worked for ESPN that yeah. would be strange wouldn't it I, I don't think we'd be alone no yeah. the younger brother happens. just inspires the younger brother that happens yeah. all the time okay Rachel fine I hear what you're saying okay right. so guys you heard the 10 as voted on our ESPN Instagram and Facebook pages we had loads of entries any names you were surprised didn't make the list at all there's uh, a couple from tennis one the original bad boy John McEnroe, um, he set a whole new standard. He created an entire career for himself. And he's still living off it. He's exactly. still living off that exact same he, thing. I, I've lost count of how many adverts have that tagline. Jimmy might even want to recreate McEnroe's most famous line. I can do it for you right now if you want. <laughs> yep. You cannot be serious! That's pretty That's good. He's really in good. the room, yeah, guys! That's pretty yeah. good. Do you want to hear my other one I can do? Yeah. Aguero! That's Everyone just, can do that. It's not really a bad, well, bad boy line. Well, it's just, a, it's just <laughs> another just a one. Line. You can do more quotes if you want. If we get the Johnny Wilkinson commentary as well, then that completes the hat-trick <laughs> of that happening every time I've been on the show as well. 30 seconds to go. This is the one. It's coming back to Johnny Wilkinson. He's dropping for World Cup glory. <laughs> this is the clip show now. Yeah, the best, yeah, best yeah, moments yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> Jamie does old commentaries. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I do. It's my talent. But going back to McEnroe, it's so true. He was, sort of, in my opinion, he's one of the, you know, as we said, bad boys boys in sport in general he was one of these people who just didn't care about the rules he was so wanting to win does that make you a bad boy if you just don't care about anything else and you just want to win i think that a lot of people that are on the list and not on the list had exactly that it was that moment of i need to do something to win McEnroe, he says it himself that he lived on the fear of losing and that's what he did when he was scared of losing he, he would unleash in this way that's the difference i think between Kyrgios and McEnroe. McEnroe had so many wins, uh, you know, through his career. I mean, one of the all-time greats of tennis. If you look at Kyrgios, he's been in the quarterfinals of the Australian Open once, Wimbledon once, and that's it. John McEnroe is almost an endearing bad guy because you're like, okay, he was he was that, but he had that will to win, and he did win. Kyrgios just acts like he does, and there's no end product there. So that's why I'm surprised McEnroe should be on here as a purest bad guy list I think a lot of the time the public forgave McEnroe because he would win things as well and Kyrgios needs to do that for people to see him more as a a villain rather than just a bad guy he just just goes off the wall like at Wimbledon all the time you just you're walking past a court and you know Nick Kyrgios is playing there because there's just a lot of shouting and loads of Aussie fans obviously fanatics cheering around but even with with Kyrgios even McEnroe has said that he's the craziest I've ever seen. I mean, it takes one to know one. And McEnroe was quite clever because he made it part of his persona. So he'll go in adverts and he will play up that. And you can kind of be like, okay, he might be that on the court, but he's able to recognise it. He's in on the joke, and I don't think Kyrgios would quite be in on the same joke about how he behaves at the moment. So maybe one day he'll do that, but right now he doesn't. Okay, I want to say another person. I'm a Chelsea fan, runs in my veins. John Terry, where do I start? Okay, there's a few things that's happened over the years that he probably uh, hasn't been in favour with a lot of people. One of the big ones is when he actually wore his full team kit, lifted the Champions League trophy when he was actually banned, and then the other one, when he uh, was banned for racially abusing Anton Ferdinand. That last one especially is pretty horrible. The, the full kit thing, I remember reading something that that was 
in the regulations for that competition that year. So Terry ended up getting a bad rap for an unfair reason. I, I've never been a fan of him, but Are I always thought that bad? was... No, I'm not. And <laughs> yes, I was going to say... I no, love you. Look at no, you. No, 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 no. So I was going to say that the Captain Leader Legend banner has always infuriated me about John Terry. And I know it's not his fault, but whenever I've heard a Chelsea fan defend John Terry, it just infuriates me. So I think that is more why I feel like he's a villain. I don't know if that's just me. I'm fascinated that uh, John Terry was stripped of the England captaincy twice. <laughs> it's like, how do you go from, yeah, you can't be our captain again, to, ah, okay, come yeah. back in. And oh, to, wait. No, 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 we were right in the first place. Yeah. It's, that's pretty spectacular. <laughs> yeah, Steve, coming in there, love that. But then I think as, as kind of John Terry's matured and, you know, now he's gone to Aston Villa and he's uh, doing really good things over there, changing players such as Jack Grealish, and we all know what he used to be like, that famous picture in the paper of him laying sprawled out in Ibiza so if he can draw from his experiences teach the younger generation coming through you know I'm going to give him a clap You see you touch on something that I think is central to all this particularly in the team sports the villains are people that other teams love to hate and so people love to hate John Terry because he was playing for Chelsea and Chelsea fans loved him and now he's at Aston Villa everyone who probably hated John Terry while he was at Chelsea is now eh, he's alright he's, he's a good guy he's cheeky as well actually last time I worked with him I left my phone on the side and I came back to it and had loads of different selfies of John and every other player in the dressing room <laughs> I was like thanks very much <laughs> as again, you do there she goes his name dropping once yeah, again yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay you know John Terry <laughs> alright oh, that was actually Wimbledon as well <laughs> Okay, I'm sure it was. Send a court. But it's interesting enough about you know, this whole villain list before we get into more footballists and things like that is that, you know, if you look at something like WWE, the people who are loved the most, the people who are absolutely loved or absolutely hated. So you kind of don't want to be in the middle. You kind of want to be a villain. And speaking of football, another footballer, Thierry Henry, deliberately handballing the ball against Ireland. Yep. I remember that really clearly because uh, it was probably one of the first Twitter controversies that ever happened because it was it was right in that kind of late 2009 part where Twitter was kind of exploding and people were getting used to it all and Twitter went into meltdown because he denied <laughs> Ireland a chance he kind of apologised and wanted to make up for it all and he sat kind of consoling the Irish players going oh I can't believe that happened it's like no you did it <laughs> you did it in front of everyone you know what um, I think and like- it was before the world of VAR and everything else so every single person in the stadium uh, studios around the world watching on TV every single person knew that this was a false result and there was nothing they could do about it that was the farcical bit was everyone was like oh that shouldn't have happened but France have gone through I think I actually signed up for Twitter because of that when you said that (laughs) I remember trying to work out how to at someone and all of that stuff I think it was for, for that same thing I still don't know. I'm still like twittering. What is it? Twittering? Tweeting. Tweet- no. I'm joking, guys. <laughs> Jamie's face then. If you guys had a camera on Jamie, the look of disgust he just gave me when I said that was twittering. It's going to make a joke about you, Rachel, then I just didn't. I held it back. You don't know about Twitter, but you know about Tinder. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, touche. All uh, right, another one. Steve Smith, Australian captain. Naughty boy. Naughty boy. Sandpaper saga in his pocket against South Africa. Smith, as the captain, kind of took the fall. But it was somewhat David Warner, who was the, the ringleader in the whole thing, came up with the idea, showed Cameron Bancroft how to do it, this kind of thing. The way in which it all played out was that Bancroft and Smith took the fall. They had to do the, the press conference after the after the session uh, to explain what had happened. David Warner was nowhere to be seen, and I think that's reflected on our list. 
Another person who we haven't mentioned, who has to be mentioned, Conor McGregor. It's mm. only one Conor McGregor. Best fight ever. He's going to outlawed me. Whether I love that song. Sorry, I'm into a singing mood. Proper fan. Proper fan. Is that a proper fan? That's a proper song. The teachers rang that, didn't they, back in the day. It's similar, though, to the Smith-Warner split here. I almost feel like if you're going to have Floyd Mayweather in the list, Conor McGregor fits very similar guidelines. You know, that tour that they had prior to their fight was... One of the more disgusting things that we've seen in the sporting world. They cross the line many, many times against each other. And then you have the fight and you get to the end of it all and you go... It was all just a big game, wasn't it? It was just a big act. Uh, and they made a ton of money out of it. So, fair play to them. Boxing and, to a lesser degree, mixed martial arts, they kind of play on that. You mentioned WWE earlier. Conor McGregor is perfect for that, because I think he knows exactly how to sell a fight, exactly what to do. And I don't agree with, I think, like Stephen said, it was pretty disgusting, a lot of the stuff that was going on then. It made people want to watch it, and it was actually a bit of a farcical fight. But for some reason, everyone was like, oh, I've got to see this. This is the biggest sporting event ever. You watched it and then thought, oh, I've just been played. I saw um, Eddie Hearn, who is a big promoter in boxing he uh, spoke about that fight he said uh, there are two things firstly it's the biggest scam that any sport has ever seen but it's also one of the biggest genius things to ever happen in sport yeah um, and also going back to another two footballers that I want to go with you got Eric Cantona Zinedine Zidane those two with Cantona doing the fly kick into the crowd and Zidane giving the headbutt do they count as bad boys, or is that just out of passion? Is that, what do you think? Nate? Moments of madness in games, yeah. Yeah, I think these two are fascinating, because Zidane, if you actually think about it, if you take the headbutt away, I can't think of a single thing mm. that Zidane did that was bad. Cantona was maybe a bit more on that edge, but still, he was an unbelievable player, and he would maybe be a bit more argumentative with the refs or something, but as players, they were amazing, and that's why those two moments stick out so much, because they were so crazy. And they were so kind of out of what we expected to be the norm, maybe, especially with Zidane and a World Cup final. Cantona's fascinating, actually, because if you go back to his time uh, earlier in his career, before he joined up with Sir Alex Ferguson, he was a real hothead. His career was kind of swinging around a bit. Um, and Fergie got him to, to concentrate for all but one game <laughs> where he kind of lost the plot against Crystal Palace and uh, Kung Fu the fan. Uh, and then got banned and talked about seagulls and trawlers. One more we have to mention, uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan. OK, the bad boy is snooker. Nate, what do you think about Ronnie? <laughs> well, the fact that you can say there's a bad boy of snooker, <laughs> I think, is all you need to say about Ronnie O'Sullivan. I mean, he made you want to watch snooker if he yeah. played. I was never really that into it, but if he was playing, I would say, well, I'm going to watch Ronnie O'Sullivan. I think he was one of those guys that just kind of people associate with the sport and always will, and he had to be that way. If he was any other snooker player, you wouldn't really care. I mean, some of the stuff he did was quite ludicrous. I mean, I've, I've seen him just quit games, mm. you know, in the middle of them because he wasn't going to win, which is obviously not a sporting thing to do, but you talk about it and you remember it. It was quite a big mental thing with him. He was always talking about, like, the demons that he has when he was kind of playing. And so I think that's obviously reflected in what you said there, just can't quite handle the pressure. And again, had these moments of madness and you didn't quite know what you were going to get from him. But I do know now that he has really kind of tried to change things up. He did kind of quit all the smoking and drinking and he now kind of says he's teetotal and has found the love of running. He's trying to change his spots, definitely. And hats off to him for everything that he has done in that. But he is still liable to start playing left-handed, to deliberately yeah. miss a black ball when he's on a one four seven. It's, it's, it's that kind of character. It's, it's box office stuff. People will turn up and watch that because they don't know what's going to happen next. Whether or not you want to stake your reputation on someone like Ronnie O'Sullivan is, is another thing. You know, you, it's... It's a, it's a difficult one for the sports governing bodies, for example, to try and get the best out of these guys, sell their sport in a way. When these guys go off, they create such a storm around them. And they sell tickets. I can't wait for the bad boy of badminton. 
That's what I am excited for. We saw in the office before we left there with the mini golf championships on TV. What? That's, I'm so that, that is a sport that needs the bad boy. That is, I, 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 there are too many dates to mini golf courses. There, there is a mistake here, and it, it, it's a very important mistake. It was the crazy golf sorry, sorry. That's world a, championships. Yeah. Not to be confused with mini golf, which is a completely different sorry. sport. Both I'm better not at crazy. Really I'm better yeah. at crazy golf. And on that lovely note, uh, let's talk about the 10 that did make the list. Now, we have Sergio Ramos. Mike Tyson, Jose Mourinho, David Warner, Diego Costa, Diego Maradona, Joey Barton, Roy Keane, Floyd Mayweather, Luis Suarez. Now, are there any names that surprised you that are in the top ten? I think that's a pretty solid list. Um, there's arguments for a couple that we've discussed, and they all kind of share that same trait of just being on the edge, don't they? They have that edge of... Are they going to go off at this moment? Are they are they going to play great and decide this game? Are they going to win this championship? You know, they've all got that ability, and yet they've got that little character flaw. I agree with Stephen in the sense that I think everyone in there you could make an argument for. I thought Diego Costa maybe could have come out for some of the other people we thought could go in. I think Costa's got a bad reputation. I have a little problem with Diego Costa. <laughs> mm, what's that? Uh, I, I dated someone once who uh, then told me that they slept with Diego Costa, and it really... It really threw me. It's good that that you're over it, though. Yeah, and I was like, oh, really? Okay. And they said, is that a problem? And I went, why? It kind of is, and I don't know why. It just slightly is, and I have no idea why. And they're like, you've done worse. I was like, I know, but (laughs) sorry, it's really put me off. But I think he's just a bit of a brute. The one that got away there. You could have been married to this girl, all because of Diego yeah. Costa. Mm. That's changed my opinion. I think he's definitely in top ten. <laughs> <laughs> I always want to ask you, Diego Maradona. Really? A villain? Uh, yes. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, Google, listeners, feel free to stop the podcast just now. You can come back, it's fine. Go off and Google Maradona 1982 red card. And then you can come back. And then, once you've come back, Google Maradona... Copa del Rey and then come back and then work out whether or not he's a villain basically the two most ridiculous red cards you'll ever see in your life to the listeners who uh, don't have Google um, <laughs> what happens so what are the red cards what happens so in 1982 the knockout phase of the uh, World Cup Argentina-Brazil quite a big game Brazil are 3-0 up there's about 5 minutes to go Maradona takes exception to um, a challenge on one of his teammates and just basically kicks the opponent more or less where you would have liked to have kicked Diego Costa when you found out about his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And the other one? And the other one is um, a complete meltdown where there's a fight going on, there's some sort of melee going on on the pitch. And then Maradona, who instigated the whole thing, manages to kind of fly kick someone right in the face and knock them out clean cold. It's genuinely amazing. And this is kind of barbaric violence that he kicks off as well so yeah he's a bad guy forget your handball in the world cup that's that's nothing compared to what maradona has within him do you know what i find interesting is that there's a lot of footballers or people who relate to football in this you know another one is jose Mourinho, uh hero to villain in his first period where he managed chelsea people loved him they really liked him um he's the only manager on the list does he deserve to be in the top 10 i would say he does i think i think he was such a big influence on the Premier League and European football over the last 15 years, and he cultivated that image about himself. He's really interesting because I think it shows that this temperament has a sell-by date. Mm. If you're not winning anymore, you suddenly have to reevaluate. When he was doing it with Chelsea the first time, it was great because he was. it was like Ferguson. Ferguson would be a certain way, but United would win. 
and the gloss just kind of came off Mourinho and he kind of he just looked a bit outdated by the end yeah it's a great point about winning um, I remember Celtic playing Porto in the UEFA Cup final of 2003 it was Jose Mourinho's Porto team and nobody really knew about Porto at that time they hadn't beaten Manchester United yet at Old Trafford for example it was some of the most cynical play acting and rolling around and just general cheating that I've ever seen in a major final and Porto won and so all was forgiven 2005 he is banned from uh, the dugout he's banned from communicating with Chelsea during the Champions League match with Bayern Munich so he hides in a laundry bin to get into the dressing room and gives his team talk that way. And it's kind of funny. It's that's yeah. that's oh, genius. You see? Everyone thinks, oh, that's funny. If he'd done that at Manchester United yeah. when they're getting beat by everyone, then it's not as much fun. You also shouldn't forget as well that his time at Real Madrid, um, when he was up against Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, it really descended into some really nasty stuff. He poked Tito Villanova in the eye. That was awful. But he did also go on to the, like, the comedic villain side of things. I'll never forget Inter beating Barcelona in Barcelona to get to the Champions League mm. final and he runs around the pitch arm up in the air around the centre circle just and the new Camp is literally about to riot I think at that point I think that was the stupid thing with Mourinho was that he could do stuff like that and then do behave like he did at Real Madrid and he also got quite personal with some of his players as well which yeah. I think crosses the line when he actually publicly kind of calls some players out uh, you know that's happened quite a lot over the, when he was obviously in charge at Man United with people like Luke Shaw or Paul Pogba and uh, I think that just oversteps the mark as well if you want something said to your players you say it behind closed doors and you don't kind of publicly humiliate them. His run-ins with Arsene Wenger, for example, got really personal. So he would even turn on rival managers. But the funny thing is, there's a postscript to it, because now both Wenger and Mourinho are out of work. They're not managing clubs anymore. So they're both working for a TV broadcaster in the same <laughs> studio, picking over the Champions League final. It's like, all is forgiven. Sorry, nowadays it's proven that if you're nice, it works better. Like Jurgen Klopp, the nicest manager, seemingly the nicest manager ever. And what have they just done? Just won the Champions League. It's almost like Mourinho's style of management, style of play, was oh, from a bygone era. Uh, and he, he was kind of left behind. Uh, and the interesting thing was that his style of football was being left behind when he was at Chelsea. So for him to then get the Man United job and do what he did there, it was an inevitable conclusion. And he's nowhere really to go now. It's, it's a fascinating situation for him. And compare him to Klopp and Guardiola, those guys play such a good style of football and aren't on that side of the, the aisle. They're both very likeable people. So I think that's where the whole game has shifted in a very short time. Absolutely. And uh, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm looking down this list. Ten. Are there any girls? No, no, no. I usually complained about the lack of girls on these lists today. I'm loving it. It, it wouldn't have gone down well if there were suddenly eight women in the villains list. That would have been sung. But genuinely, I'm trying to rack my brains out and think of anybody that I could put in that's... With- been a questionable female athlete. Go on, Nate. I'm not saying that. Obviously, she's an unbelievable athlete. But Serena Williams. I mean, that's been, the only one. Has isn't been, it? But does she count as a villain? There was all that stuff at the. I want to say Australian Open last year. Yeah, US I mean, Open, yeah, the, US Open. She, sorry, she she fits into the same kind of lightning rod yeah. of of all of all of these football players as like well. Zidane, you know? Yeah, she's the like lightning rods where everyone's attention is on them. They're almost wanting something to happen with them, and it's a big thing. Whatever they do, there's this kind of ripple effect that you know, the world starts to take notice and everything they do is ten times bigger than, yep. than what another player might do. There's some in that top ten. Luis Suarez is one of them. Sergio Ramos is another. Where Diego Costa, again, another. Where you just kind of... It doesn't take much to set it all off. To Nick Kyrgios, we mentioned him a little bit earlier, but it's something about having a hothead 
in a sport that just kind of makes it more exciting. I think you need to have it. If everyone is so nice and fine and just wants to play and it's all about the game, you want someone with a bit of passion. You want someone who's screaming around the court. You want someone who's going to be smashing their racket up. I like it. I, I like it too. And there's a part of me that really is kind of fond of Nick Kyrgios. And I don't know whether I'm affected by the fact that he has a really good friendship with Andy Murray. And anyone who's friends with Andy Murray is friends with me. Whenever he does have one of his misdemeanours, he's always on the back page of a newspaper and people then become intrigued about him and, and the sport. You know, regardless if it's one of these four majors, people kind of tune in to watch what he may or may not do. And it's also his kind of style. You know, yeah. he's he's rogue. He's cool. He, yeah, he's unorthodox. Underarm servant is cool. <laughs> yeah. And he's one of those characters as well, I think. He needs to obviously refine it. But some players, if you took this edge away from them, they'd be nowhere. Mm. They don't play without that. So Kyrgios, obviously, he, he needs to row it back. But Murray, if you remember Murray, he, at the start of his career, was a, not a hothead in the same way, but he kind of had to learn how to channel that anger into the talent that he had. Yeah. Kyrgios hasn't been able to do that yet. Yeah, but Nate, that's just being Scottish. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, yeah, Stephen this, does that all the time. The state of the studio, if you wind me up, honestly. <laughs> Get me an iron brew! Um, also, we've got to turn to cricket. David Warner. Now, uh, he was a wrong and even before he admitted to tampering with the bull, wasn't he? He yep. he sledged, he went beyond the mark, He, uh, but a bit like Kyrgios, isn't it great to have a pantomime villain within the sport? That one's a really fascinating one, because Warner kind of hid from the whole sandpaper controversy, and he was the instigator of the whole thing. And that was just kind of the tipping point of him just being a bit too, I want to say, enabled by everyone around him, by Australian cricket, by his teammates, by the IPL who were giving him $2.4 million for playing this kind of thing. And I think this is a trend for, for these villains as well, is that they have a lot of people telling them how great they are until the moment where they overstep the mark. If you look back at David Warner's press conference, once he gets back to Australia after he's been uh, suspended by the Australian Cricket Board, and important to point out as well, he was banned by the Cricket Board. He wasn't banned by the ICC, but he was banned by the Cricket Board for not cooperating and for it all to come out. But when you look at his press conference, there's a really human part of you that takes over and goes, you know what? I feel sorry for him. And that was weird. After everything that had gone on, I actually felt sorry for him. And I guess he had the nickname of The Bull. And it's changed a little bit now. It's mellowed. And uh, people have changed it to The, the Reverend. Should that yeah, I, I've have got been changed? But that's going too far. I, I don't buy that for a second. What is that about? If you watch David Warner at the Ashes or at the World Cup right now, he will be mouthing off to every single person. And it won't be something you'd hear a reverend say at a church. I wanted to say something on David Warner. The man got in a fight with Joe Root in 2013 at a walkabout. How do you get in a fight? <laughs> How do you get in a fight with Joe Root? Yeah, what nice is there to get in a cricket, fight? Yeah. That's the most villainous thing I've ever heard You've in my never life. walked into a walkabout with <laughs> Steve Saunders. <laughs> you know, Shane Warne used to open his mouth a lot and be a bit of a bad boy of cricket, but in a sort of sledging way and say things. I think it's part of the sport. I quite like it. I agree. I like the sledging. I like yeah. anything that makes it a bit more interesting, especially in, in test cricket. When you're sat there for hours, you need something to spice up the game sometimes. Yeah, and if you can't handle it, don't get in the crease. Yeah. I kind of see it that way. Now, going on to kind of a more aggressive sport, boxing. Now, there are two boxers on the list. Mike Tyson, Floyd, Money Mayweather. Now, I'm not surprised that Tyson's on the list. Evander Holyfield biting the ear, you know, this, the, his aggression in the ring. But Mayweather merits top ten villain status. If you look at the list of people Mayweather fought in his career, even if you take Conor McGregor away from that, which I don't think was anywhere near a proper fight, he often would fight people later than he should have done. And the Pacquiao fight should have happened about four years before it did. Mm. By the time it happened, 
he was all interested in the money. I think it only went ahead because everything that he wanted, Pacquiao agreed to. They had an awful fight. That's not important, but they had an awful fight at the end, and he thought it could have been so much better. To me, that was always on Mayweather and the way he approached the fight. There is definitely that. Fight fans don't forget that he ducked, yeah. quote-unquote ducked, his uh, his sternest opponents and, and wasn't really prepared to put that undefeated record properly on the line. But the trash-talking was just a bit too much. I mean, some of it was really distasteful. To the point where he once threw his father out of his gym and called, said to him, you're nothing but an expletive cab driver. His own father. But, you know, moving on to someone like Tyson, right? Tyson, it was honestly terrifying. Mm. Going against Tyson in the ring was actually just, it was scary. Mm. Do you not think? Well, the, the other thing as well is he was marketed as the baddest man on the planet. And he kind of became a caricature of it in the end. Um, some of the stuff that he came out with after fighting in Glasgow, where he, he said he wanted to eat Lennox Lewis's children. <laughs> Lennox Lewis didn't even have children. <laughs> and, but, that, and that was the real problem with that. <laughs> I, I remember I, I was yo- a, a lot younger when uh, Tyson Holyfield happened and, and uh, Tyson bit Holyfield's ear. And it was one of the first times that I'd ever sat up for a pay-per-view right through the night. And it's, it's, it's like a rite of passage as, as a young man, staying up to watch the boxing until 5am. I weirdly still have the newspaper clippings of that. I don't know why. <laughs> Out of all the things I ever kept, where, I kept that. Where are they? They framed somewhere. Uh, they're, yeah, they're folded up next to my love letters I kept. <laughs> which is a bizarre place to put them. What's fascinating about Tyson, I think, is that there's a generation now of people who have grown up and they know him being in The Hangover. He's this very soft-spoken guy who, if you actually listen to him talk about how he was, he's very apologetic about it. He's actually very philosophical about it. And that's the interesting one. He's the old, I think him and Maradona are the oldest two on this list. I think when you get older, if you are able to, a bit like we spoke about with John McEnroe, kind of self-deprecate or at least talk about how you were, appreciate it, maybe it takes some of that villainous status away from you a tiny bit. I see Tyson as somewhat of a villain, but I just more think that he just was an out-and-out fighter. He, he's genuinely box office as well. I yeah. mean, that, he, was, he was next level in that sense. Tyson doing anything was... was Heavyweight at 19 years old. Yeah. Heavyweight a, champion, 19 know, years there's old. There's a compilation of his knockouts on mm. YouTube, which if you watch, you are like, I'm sorry, this must be this footage must be doctored. There's no way this guy went through people like this. Unbelievable at his, the, at his prime. There's an underrated Tyson moment, a somewhat forgotten Tyson moment as well, which is... Um, not only did he bite Evander Holyfield's ear, he bit Lennox Lewis's leg <laughs> at a press conference. That, that, that's pretty nuts. So on the, the, on the biting theme, that's a nice segue, isn't it, into Luis Suarez. Uh, there's three footballers, or kind of more recent footballers, on the list. I'm talking about Sergio Ramos, Luis Suarez, and of course, Diego Costa, Jamie's favourite guy. Love that guy. Um, which of those is more of a villain? Luis Suarez yeah, is pretty right. strong on, on that list. I mean, Sergio Ramos has... He's got really great records. He is the most carded player in La Liga. <laughs> he's the most carded player ever in the Champions League. And he's the most carded player ever for the Spanish national team. <laughs> what a hat-trick! I think that's, I saw, that's, that's an intent right yeah. there. I think I saw as well um, ESPN's Mark Ogden. He wrote uh, an article as well about Ramos and just said basically how unpopular he was. And so that's kind of worth a read as well if you want to kind of... Do you remember that moment? Sorry, Rick, no, I just no, totally no, just cut you off it's there. it's fine. <laughs> time, Mark sorry. Ogden, your article is irrelevant! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Rich. Um, do you remember that moment, El Clasico, uh, Real Madrid 
versus Barcelona, Messi with the ball, and Ramos just takes out his back legs by kicking him, yeah. and then carded straight off. I mean, yeah. he just didn't care. That's, yeah. Ramos seems to do that quite yeah. a lot. Champions League final last year. Yeah. Just an awful guy. He just went obviously out there and took out Mo Salah, and that was the end of his Champions League final after, what was it, not? About 20 minutes or so? Yeah. At first 10 minutes or something. Even yeah. earlier than that, yeah. But that's the fascinating thing with Ramos is if you, if any other player in the Madrid team had done that, I, I think it, people still said, oh, it's, but they would have focused on the fact that Salah's out of the game. The fact that Ramos did it and then he got up and kind of, you could see on his face, he was like, well, I'm not too upset about that. You know, Salah's <laughs> gone off. In your head, you're like, I bet he did that on purpose. People believe that because it was him. And that shows you how much of a villain he is. The fact that you would attribute malice to that sort of situation, whether or not he did it did mean to. We also can't forget, okay, not that I have anything against him, Diego Costa, because he, he did, he once threw his own spit at Sergio Ramos. Come on! Throwing it, that, that's way worse. Forget tackling, forget the red cards, throwing your spit, that is villainous. How do you even throw your own spit? I don't know, but Costa can do it. <laughs> but also, he switched from Brazil to Spain. Mm. That is, that is Judas to the absolute extreme. I hate Diego Costa. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have good reason, Jamie. Yeah. I just think it's bad. You can't do that. Switching from two teams. I mean, you've got to stay loyal to your country, stay loyal to your team. And, split, and you know, switching like that is just wrong, in my opinion. Rach, what do you think? I mean, people switch teams all the time. Yeah. It's country alliances. It's just what happens. So I don't know if that's really something that we can kind of say he's a villain for. We, we wouldn't have a cricket or rugby team either. If <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK, look, so, maybe I'm nitpicking, <laughs> all right? I mean, about South Africans and Irishmen. Yeah. We'd be in dire straits. Suarez is a fascinating one because his rap sheet is probably one of the biggest on here. You've got everyone remembers the Chilini bite, but he bit two other players in his career. Uh, and the, the, the crazy thing with Chiellini was that in, in that game, he then started holding his teeth as if he'd been somehow <laughs> injured by the other no. guy. He yeah. sat there and he's looking at the ref like, look, look, I'm injured. I remember that and I was so angry about it. That went it. viral on Twitter, yeah. I remember. <laughs> there was obviously the whole thing with Patrice Evra that racially insulted him in a game. And then they played the next year. Suarez refused to shake Evra's hand as if he'd what? been wronged, as if it was his fault that he'd... So if Evra hadn't sh- shaken his hand, you think, OK, that's fair enough, like... It's Absolutely. hard to forgive that thing, but Suarez sat there and refused to shake his hand back, which I thought was outrageous. And then we talked about Maradona earlier, famous hand of God. Suarez prevented Ghana, I think, from going through to the semi-finals in 2010. Pretty sure it was Asamoah Jean head, heads the ball down, and Suarez just basically punches the ball away. <laughs> and then Jean misses the penalty, and Suarez is on the sidelines cheering <laughs> before he goes in the tunnel. Which is we uh, sorry, I'm going to mention WWE one more time. If Vince McMahon wrote a bad guy, that <laughs> is how a bad guy would respond to a red card in the World Cup final. That's like genius bad guy writing, but yeah. You only have to look at the Champions League semi-final for Barcelona against Liverpool, and, and Luis Suarez was adored by Liverpool fans. And then he had the temerity to score against them and celebrate, and then he's dead to them, and he, yeah. they get booed. And yeah, it, it, it just goes to show that if that player is for you, it's great. If that player is against you, you hate them. It's, it's such a, a fierce passion that goes into that. Uh, guys, there's two more names on the list. Joey Barton, Roy Keane. We haven't mentioned them yet. Nate, what do you think? Well, Joey Barton is just a guy who was always assumed to be a bad guy when he was playing. 2004, he stubbed a cigarette out in a teammate's eye, which Terrible. is pretty, pretty bad if we're talking about that. He also assaulted another teammate in 2007. 2012 finale, you did the Aguero impression earlier, but at the start of that game, earlier in that game, he gets sent off mm-hmm. for, I think he elbowed Tevez, then tried to headbutt company, <laughs> then tried to kick Aguero. So he kind of went for everyone who basically was wearing a Manchester City shirt at that point, so he was pretty bad. And what about Roy Keane? 
I would 100% put Keane on here. I'm an Ipswich Town fan, and Keane was one of our worst ever managers. And I, like you with Diego Costa, I just can't get past that. I'm completely biased, so Stephen should take this from an objective point of view. Yeah, it, well, it's fascinating as well, because um, Mick McCarthy was Keane's manager yeah. at the 2002 World Cup. Keane stormed out of that, refused to play because Mick McCarthy didn't know what he was doing, essentially. So Keane went home and walked his dog mm. while, uh, while Ireland tried to progress through the uh, through World Cup. And actually had a good tournament, even without him. And he was comfortably their best player at the time. But also, we can't forget that horrendous tackle he did, the career-ending tackle he did on... Alfie Enger Haaland. Yeah, where he then admitted pretty much that he did it on purpose because uh, the year before, there was a bad tackle on him and he was told to get up. And he had done his ACL, wasn't yeah. that right? But yeah, by Haaland, wasn't it? Yeah. He'd injured him badly at the start of his career. Yeah. Um, he, he went out to get Haaland and he got him and then he wrote about it in his book. So, Proper bad guy behaviour, that. So we both agree these two people should be on the list. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Think so. All right, gentlemen and ladies, it's now a time to find out who is the number one all-time sporting or not-so-sporting villain. Now, here is the lovely voice with the bad boy countdown. Here we go. Number 10, David Warner. Number 9, Floyd Mayweather. Number 8, Diego Maradona. Number 7, Jose Mourinho. Number 6, Joey Barton. Number 5, Diego Costa. Number four, Mike Tyson. Number three, Roy Keane. Number two, Luis Suarez. And number one is Sergio Ramos. Well, that's it, guys. What do we think? Sergio Ramos, let's start with number one. Sergio Ramos. Steve, what do you think? Just about deserved. I think he fits this bill really well in that... He's he's a bad guy, but he does all of his bad stuff on the field. It's it's kind of like he does all these transgressions that just help his team win, and that kind of is the point, you know. He 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 does it all because he wants to win. It's that it's that desire to win that takes him to those places. He will get deliberately sent off so he can serve a suspension in a dead game. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, respect to Sergio Ramos. Well done. But <clears throat> never bit someone once, let alone three <laughs> times. So I would put Suarez above him. I agree with you. From, like you know, it's a lot. You can get a bad disciplinary record for just being a quite harsh defender, but biting someone once, twice, three times, however many times you do it, it's pretty bad. So I would put Suarez above that. And I'm going to put it out there: David Warner, number ten, not as bad as Joey Barton. I mean, that is <laughs> cheating to the max. I'd be fascinating to see this list again after the Ashes if mm. David Warner helps Australia win it. Then that might change people's opinion. I mean, Luis Suarez um, was a hero to Liverpool fans about three months ago, and now he's dead to them. The Warner one's interesting as well. I wonder how many people appreciate the scale of what he and Smith and Barncroft did in cricket. It was a very very technical offence. You know, when you say they ball tampered, a lot of people say, well, okay, so what? Mm -hmm. It's not as obvious as cheating as, say, Maradona punching the ball over Peter Shilton. So maybe that is downplayed a bit, but it was him trying to gain an advantage on another team. So I think that might downplay it a bit. I think maybe um, Jose Mourinho as well, seven. Maybe he should have been ten. Like, the only manager on the list as well. And we were kind of saying just about his kind of personality in the end and how he kind of uh, spoke to different players and managers. Okay, there were some um, times when he was a bit uh, reckless, maybe when he was in his technical area, but I think maybe he should have been further up the list in terms of uh, top 10, 9 or something, rather than where he is at 7. Yeah, it's almost as though his time at Manchester United took away from some of his villain character because... It's almost like people are like, yeah, he did, but did he really matter? It's like, yeah, he was he was seen as the best manager in the world and he was doing all these things that were kind of over the line at times. So 
Um, so yeah, I, I'd agree that Mourinho's possibly lucky to, to not be higher on the list. I think Maradona should be in the top five. Absolutely. <laughs> <should be laughs> and I'm just going to put it out there. Probably, in my opinion, should have made number one spot uh, Diego Costa. He is just a horrid, horrid person. Just because Jamie could have been married and had kids by now, and that's why he doesn't like it. It's not that. I just think he is. Uh, I think he's a villain. I think that he's not nice. And <laughs> nothing to do met, with that ex-girlfriend at all. If I ever met Diego Costa, I would just go. I hate you. <laughs> That's what I do. Uh, right, that was the top ten bad boy countdown as voted by you. However, ladies and gentlemen, it wouldn't be a Head in the Game podcast without my favourite part of the show. Yes? You guys ready for this? Yes. What is it? The Head in the Game quiz. Oh, yes. Voice! You better be ready. Yes, it's the Head in the Game quiz. Stephen, Nate, Jamie and Rachel, are you ready? Ready! Okay, yeah, guests first. Let's go to Nate. True or false, Mike Tyson famously raised racing pigeons but also had a passion for musical theatre, once auditioning for the musical Hamilton in New York. True or false? That's bonkers enough that it's true. It's false, I'm afraid. If he did, though, you'd have to give him the job, wouldn't you? Steve, before becoming a professional fighter, Conor McGregor worked as an electrician. True or false? I'll go true. I'm afraid ESPN aren't doing so well today. It's false. He was a plumber. <laughs> Jamie. Yes. Tough tackler Roy Keane was once on the receiving end of a punch in the face from boss Brian Clough after he underhit a back pass. True or false? Oh, that's false. It's true. No! What's going on today? <laughs> and finally, to the lady. I've got to get this one right. Rachel. Sergio Ramos has seen red more times than any other in La Liga and as a bullfighting fan, often waves a matador cape to celebrate wins. True. Is correct. Oh, oh, man. Here we go, multiple choice. Nate, Joey Barton tied the knot recently, but his stag do ended in A, a sing-song at a local pub, B, a brawl on a beach in Newquay, C, a game of naked five-a-side, D, all of the above. <laughs> uh, I think all of the above? It's the, a brawl on a beach in New uh, Kia. See, I thought it was going to be the brawl, but I thought the other two were yes. believable enough. Bad damn, luck. Damn. Zero out of two so far. Uh, <laughs> I'm Steve, not coming back, am I? Diego Costa attempted to wind up Stoke defender Ryan Shawcross by A, repeatedly pulling his shorts down at corners, B, pointing to his armpits and making a bad smell face, C, blowing kisses to him, D, all of the above. It's Diego Costa. That's got to be all of the above. It's actually B, pointing to his armpits and making a bad smell face. Bad luck. Okay, Jamie. After a meltdown at the Italian Open, fiery tennis player Nick Kyrgios threw what onto the court whilst abusing the umpire? A, a towel and four balls. B, a chair and a bottle of water. C, a chair and a racket. D, all of the above. A chair and a racket. Is correct. Rachel, we're doing very well heading the game team. Not so well the ESPN guys. (laughs) Here we go. Temperamental and somewhat hungry footballer Luis Suarez got into trouble aged 16 in Uruguay when he A. bit a linesman, B. slapped a fellow player for refusing to pass to him, C. headbutted the referee, D. put a potato in the exhaust of his manager's car for refusing to play him. Well, I would have wanted the all of above option, but that's not there for me to have. Do so, again? No, I'm going to go slap the player for not passing. No, it's headbutted the referee. <laughs> Jamie's in the lead. Yes! Round three, this is for everyone. They said what? Fill in the blanks. Okay, first correct answer wins. 
Jose Mourinho once said, "If they make a film about me, they should get blank to play me." Oh, ah,、oh, that's I, cool. any age moves. George Clooney, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jamie, very good. Yeah. I wonder how you got that. <laughs> Sorry, Nate, it's、uh, not been your day, really. No. <laughs> okay, bored of his own brilliance. This one's from Ronnie O'Sullivan. Looking for blank is the only way to motivate yourself. Looking for blank. Is the only way to motivate yourself. Anyone? Perfection. That was Steve, was it? Yes. Very good, Steve.、Oh, Finally,、well、ESPN get a point. Two more. Trash talking boxing legend Floyd Mayweather Jr. showed true modesty when he claimed, "I'm just an American." What? Hero. Icon. No. Gangster. No. Kid. You say hero, gangster, boy,、Icon. kid. <laughs> I'm just an American uh, uh, sweetheart. Dream. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's done it again. Don't worry about、so、it. No, I actually think you knew that one. I did. I well, <laughs> no, a lot of things. Just trying、yeah. to put it up to the crowd. Final、though. question. No, I think Jamie, you've won by a, a distinct mile here.、Aww. Final one. This is good old Maradona. The ever controversial Diego made the statement: "There are hundreds of blanks playing football all over the world." I'll give you a clue. He's referring to a player. There are hundreds. Messi's. No. Pelé's. No. Ronaldo's. Think English. Rooney's. No. Come on, Rachel. There are hundreds of what? Beckham's. Be- Beardsleys. Beckham's is correct.、Oh. Well done, Rachel. <laughs> But the winner, I'm afraid to say, <laughs> is Jamie. Yes. The rest of you. Well, what more can I say? It's over. Hey, voice.、Oh. Yes. I love you. Whatever. Right, listeners. So that's about all for this week. Now, don't forget to give us a review and subscribe. It's free, so of course it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Absolutely, and join us next week when we look ahead to the biggest baseball match ever seen in the UK when the New York Yankees take on the Boston Red Sox. I cannot wait for that. Right, until then, keep your everyone head, head in, in the, the game. game. ESPN, head in the game.